to the MHU podcast in our series, Does Prayer Work? This time for episode 8, we have a special podcast. We're doing one short discussion on the question of why we should pray if God already knows what we're going to pray for. But we also have a discussion of another question that we cut off of an earlier episode. We thought it might be nice to append it to an episode where we had a little bit more time. So that's what we're going to do today. Hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back to the MHU podcast. This is episode eight of Does Prayer Work? Today, we've got just, we're just going to have a short discussion about a problem that, um, I think a question a lot of people have about prayer, but one which we've in some sense already answered. And so our main job today is just to explain in what way we've already indirectly answered it. The question is, why pray if God already knows what you're going to ask for? Or I guess there's maybe two questions here, right? One question is, why pray if God already knows what you're going to ask for? Another question is, why pray if God already knows what you need, even without your asking for it? So what do you guys think about this problem? Making me talk. <laughs> um, well, I'm thinking about what we talked about with Paul, and um, I mean, there are various psychological benefits to praying, where we're um, reminding ourselves that we're dependent on God, uh, reminding ourselves of theological principles that we believe, um, encouraging one another if we're praying communally, things like that. So, I mean. It's not so much about, that question is not so much about, or this answer is not so much about this, whether prayer is working, but the effect that it has on us, just the activity of praying has a benefit for us. Um, so that's one thing. Yeah, mind. I totally agree that those are legitimate reasons for uh, even petitionary prayer uh, to remind us that we depend on God. Uh I am also reminded of some stuff we said in episode one about uh, the effect that asking can have on giving someone a reason for, uh, or that, yeah, the effect that making a request can, can have for giving someone a reason for doing something. Mm -hmm. So I think the example, one example I gave in that episode was, uh, the request that maybe my wife gives of me to do the dishes can give me a reason to do the dishes independently of maybe my already knowing that she needed me to do the dishes uh, or even my knowing she was going to ask me to do the dishes. Say I'm just sitting on the couch and there's a mound of dishes and I know, mm -hmm. uh, I know that the dishes need to be done I know she's going to ask me to do the dishes. I'm just being lazy sitting on the couch. Uh, but then she asks me, and that gives me a reason all by itself for me to get up, stop being lazy, and go do the dishes. Now, obviously not a perfect analogy for God, because God's not just being lazy, <laughs> uh, being perfectly good and whatnot. But um, the principle we were thinking at the time is probably there's something similar going on there that even though God 
knows what we need, and God knows what we're going to ask for, that our asking by itself can provide God with a reason to do something for us or to act or prevent or uh, do various kinds of things. Right. And, um, you know, relatedly, like, so a prayer, I think, is what some philosophers would call a type of speech act. Um, And actually, some philosophers would say that every time we say anything, it's some kind of speech act. Because what this means is when you speak, you aren't simply transferring information, uh, you know, from one place to another, one person to another. You're also performing some kind of an action, like asking a question or making a request or even something as dramatic as uh, marrying people. Like when a priest says, I now pronounce you a husband and wife, that, that's not just you know information transfer. In fact, it may not even be information transfer. It's a totally different kind of action that's being performed there with words. And so you might think that in the case of prayer, right, what we're doing is not simply communicating information to God, which God obviously already has, about like what we need or want. We're doing something more robust than that. We're asking God for something. And as Patrick was pointing out, we talked a lot in in the first episode of our series on prayer about reasons God might have for allowing the, you know, allowing our requests to have an effect on whether God gives us things, right? To, to allow good things in the world to sometimes depend on whether we mm-hmm. ask for them. Yeah. Uh, I want to make sure we're addressing both versions of the question. So what were they again? The one question was... What do you... or Why should you pray if God knows what you're going to ask for? Mm-hmm. Why should you pray if God knows what you... Uh, already right. knows what you need? Yeah. Okay. So, so these points I think are mostly applicable to the question, why pray if God already knows what you need? Because, um, asking for something is not just a matter of telling God what you need. It does more than that in terms of giving God reasons to, to give you the things that you need. Right. But now think about this question. Suppose, okay, great. God has a good reason to uh, you know, or God will at least sometimes have a good reason to give us what we ask for. Um, you might think, well, there's still something sort of pointless or silly about asking because God has known for millions of years that I was going to ask. What do you guys think about that problem? What's the problem? <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Actually, I, do, I actually think that the problem is incoherent. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's the kind of worry that sometimes people have about, it's like a fatalistic worry almost. Mm. Like, well, look, God has always known that I was going to do this, so it doesn't matter what I do. It's like it's already, you know, settled. But then that's just a mistake in reasoning, right? If you don't pray, if you don't ask for the thing that you're, wanting to ask for, then God hasn't always known you would ask for it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, God's knowing, God's always knowing that you would pray for this, that you would ask for it. That knowledge depends on your asking at that point in time. Yeah. If it's foreknowledge, uh, if it's like 
God knowing that this is what you would ask for, then it's uh, based on your character, the character that guarantees that that's what you're going to pray for or something like that. Either way, uh, you have, have to actually actualize or make true the thing that God's knowledge is based on for God to actually know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all that's to say that God doesn't actually know that you're going to pray that unless you pray it. Indeed. All right. I don't know. Is there anything I else? I feel like there's t- um, a lot of biblical additional things we can say, like we're commanded to pray. So that's one yeah. thing to pray. Um, <laughs> it's definitely so, that's definitely something I brought up in talking uh, with non-Christian friends who uh, I've talked with who bring up various of the questions we've addressed in the series on prayer. And I think uh, it actually should be a starting point for us when we think about why do we pray if we're thinking about any of these problems, it, it, a very simple answer. It's because God tells us to. <laughs> That's a good thing to keep in mind when you have questions about prayer, like the ones we've been thinking about this study, and you're not really sure how to answer them to your satisfaction. Right? It, that doesn't mean you don't still have really excellent practical reason to keep praying. Yeah. It just means you maybe have some confusion or questions about exactly how it all works behind the scenes. Yeah, and you don't stop praying while you're trying to work out the questions. Okay. You keep praying because God tells you to, yeah. and you try and work out the questions in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw in that Ephesians verse that we looked at in the Paul episode that um, part of what we get from God is understanding, so you can be praying for understanding even as you're asking these questions. Mm. Um, and then there's other things like um, what he says in Philippians about how we're filled with peace when we pray, um, hmm. and so forth. I'm sure there's a lot of other things I could say. <clears throat> cool. Maybe that's it? Yeah. It was a pretty easy one. Nice. All this is really interesting to think about, but practically speaking, do you feel like we should be praying for the past? And if so, why don't you think we do it more often? Uh, Yeah, so um, it certainly seems like it's something that we naturally do, almost without thinking about it, right? Mm -hmm. We often will offer prayers like the examples I gave at the beginning, like the, I pray that I did well on that test. I pray that my loved one survived this recent disaster, etc. But then the question is like, well, look, uh, and this is something Austin raised earlier. It seems like we only pray for the past when we don't know how it turned out and we care how it turned out. But we don't pray for the past when we do know how it turned out. And you might wonder, like, look, why? I mean, why not pray for past things? You know, if it's it's reasonable to pray for the past when we don't know how it turned out, why isn't it equally reasonable to pray pray for the past when we do know how it turned out? And you might think that that's worrisome because it might make it seem like our practice of prayer for the past is kind of irrational. Like, we only do it in these weird select cases. Uh, or something like that. So I think that um, there's disagreement about this, but I, I think I'm with uh, Eleanor Stump on this point. I think it's entirely reasonable to pray for the past only when, or for the most part, only when we don't know how it turned out and we care how it turned out. And I think that that's the, the reason for that is this. Stump says this as well. You might think... Um, Look, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, usually, 
to pray for something that you know you already have. And similarly, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, usually, to pray for something that you already know you're not going to get. And in the case where, where we know how the past turned out, right, it seems like any prayer for how it turned out would either be a prayer for something that we now know we're not going to get, because it didn't go that way, or it would be a prayer for something that we know we've already got, because it did go that way, we know it went that way. But when we don't know how it turned out, which are the cases where we are sort of naturally inclined to pray for the past, then it seems like, oh, of course it makes sense. You care that things went that way. Prayer for the past might be effective for all we've seen. We've seen some ways it might work. Uh, and so it's worth a prayer, perhaps, right? Uh, you know, you don't know that you haven't gotten it or that you have, and you might be able to do something about it at this point. That makes sense to me. I'm wondering about a different kind of case that we that might be sort of confusing, like, uh, so... So I'm not sure if it explains why we don't pray for events or people in the really distant past where we don't know what happened, what happened, how things turned out. Uh huh. So say you read about, um, say say you're reading about uh, reports uh, or like some historical report of events in the early church. Uh, and you read about somebody who went to go be martyred, but the historical report you're reading doesn't tell you what happened after they were like arrested or something. Mm -hmm. So you don't know. You don't know. We just we don't know whether they lived or died, if they suffered martyrdom, if they if they suffered it well. Sure. And it might occur to you to pray for them. Yeah. But how often do people pray those kinds of prayers? Probably not very often. Mm -hmm. But then the question might be, well, should, should I? But mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like there might be any good reason not to. I think that in cases like that, what's going on is it's a matter of how much you care about how the past turned out in that respect, right? Mm -hmm. So think about, the, if you think about the cases that we've been using, the test and the tornado and so on, those are things where it's clear that it affects your life or people that you love are very close to you. And then the more you go into the distant past, the less there is of a direct impact on your life. But you can imagine exceptions to that. And similarly, if you did, I think it actually becomes more and more reasonable to imagine somebody offering relevant prayers. So for example, suppose that you're an academic who's been studying early Christianity and you have this theory that you've been working on for years about this martyr. And the theory says that this person actually was martyred as opposed to this alternative theory that's out there that says that they weren't. I can imagine you getting to the point where you care enough about the outcome because now this is like your life's work or something like this that you might pray that you're right and that, in fact, the past went the way that your theory says it did, for example. Yeah, okay. I guess that does bring up a side point, too, that uh, of just wondering how much should our prayers be about stuff that affects our life versus, like, you know, so mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we think... Or we, we do we do believe that we ought to spend some of our time praying for things that don't have any effect so uh, on us. So we think we should pray for people who are suffering martyrdom here and now around the world, and 
for the global church and things like that, which doesn't have any direct effect on us. Right. And so in the case I was giving, if you find out about somebody who went to suffer martyrdom uh, 1,500 years ago, and you don't know how they did, and you, it might occur to you, oh, actually, maybe I should pray for that person because they're like part of the church and somebody wanted to martyr them, and I don't know how it turned out. Yeah. You, and you might come to the conclusion that, oh, that that's actually a prayer that I could reasonably pray mm-hmm. because the kinds of reasons that you're talking about when you know how things turned out don't apply here. Right. And since we have reason to pray for... Uh, people, even even if it doesn't have an impact on our lives, then mm-hmm. is there any good reason not to pray that prayer? I can't think of one necessarily. Yeah. Well, here's here's one thought about that, which I know I think that I mean this is a good point, but so it seems to me that the question of like how we should distribute our prayers, mm-hmm. if we can put it that way, is in a lot of ways analogous to how we should distribute other resources, um, and it does seem like it's right and good that we kind of focus some attention on our like immediate loved ones and then you know do a little bit of charitable giving and you know things like that right where Mm -hmm. um and so you might think similarly with prayer right you're gonna focus a lot of your prayer on you you your family your immediate loved ones and then some also you know almost like a charity kind of prayer for people that maybe you don't have any direct personal relationship with and so on um like maybe the you know people suffering around the world um, you might think, though, that there's something like this going on as well, that in the case of prayer for the past, we're less confident for some of the reasons we've looked at that it can be effective. You might think, well, there's something to this worry that, like, oh, it's too late. It's already settled. And so you might think the less confident that you are that a certain sort of prayer is going to be effective, the less reason you have to offer it, or the more compelling reasons you need to spend time on that sort of prayer rather than directing your prayer resources elsewhere. Which is not so much an explanation that we <clears throat> shouldn't, but it's just an explanation of why we don't do it very often. Yeah, why, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's purely descriptive. As you're attempting to portion out your prayer time, are less likely to spend a good portion of it on yeah. something distant past. Yeah. I, I mean, I find the... I, I'm pretty compelled by the foreknowledge account of... And I think the middle knowledge... Or the counterfactual knowledge account seems pretty promising, too, of, of how prayer for the past could be could work. I don't, I'm not really worried about... The uh, possibility. Uh, the possibility that it's not going to work mm-hmm. uh, in principle. And so I don't think that reason would count for me. But I could see someone who was in a situation where they were really worried about whether the prayer for the past worked and then if they felt like they only had so much time to pray that they shouldn't spend all their time praying for the past. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah just rationally speaking. But I do, yeah, I do wonder if uh, just given, like thinking about Elaine's question, I wonder if there are more opportunities that we have to pray for the past that we pass up strictly because of I don't know, prejudices because we're just we're just not used to it or that person is really distant from me in time <laughs> and so uh, yeah. and, and so they don't matter to me as much or something like that mm-hmm. that's that's the sort of thing that I'm 
mm-hmm. trying to think to think about right there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's a good thought. That's definitely worth thinking. In my personal life, when I've prayed for things like what you're describing, like a recent event that you don't know the, all the details yet, I don't tend to pray, well, like say an ambulance goes by or something, mm-hmm. and it's like heading toward a neighborhood I know or something. Um, generally, I approach it more as like, whatever's happening, would you be doing these things? Like, I don't generally think like, don't let that be my father, <laughs> you know? Uh, oh, I see. So like, I I'm not necessarily thinking of like changing the what has already happened, but just whatever's going on, would you be like comforting the people and making yourself known, things like that. Um, I don't know how that, uh, if that fits in at all here, but I don't know, the idea of trying to change the past has never really occurred to me. <laughs> but maybe because nothing's hit me that hard that I feel like I need to mm-hmm. influence the past. But. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it kind of raises the question, I don't know if this is what you're getting at or not, but it kind of raises the question like, you know, like, so suppose this ambulance thing happened, right? There are a couple of ways you could pray there. You could pray that, you know, whoever is in danger uh, recovers. Or you could pray that whoever is in danger has already recovered, like, you know, the ambulance is um, unnecessary at this point. And it seems like given that kind of choice, we automatically pray towards the future instead of towards Mm -hmm. the past. And you might wonder, why is that so? That's curious. Okay, thanks for joining us for that pair of discussions. And we're going to have another uh, series coming up called Puzzles About God, in which we're going to discuss some various attributes of God, like God's omnipotence or God's omniscience, the fact that God is a trinity, and the fact that Jesus is incarnate. That series is going to focus on these questions because these are some of the attributes of God that can tend to cause people trouble. They can tend to be the hardest things about God to understand. And so sometimes people get frustrated trying to figure out what what is going on with those puzzles. So we're going to take them head on and think about them together. If you have any kinds of questions for us about that, feel free to email us at mercyhouseu at gmail.com. That's mercyhouse, the letter U, at gmail.com. And send us any of your questions. Be happy to answer them on the podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing from you, and we'll see you next time.